0: Hey, everybody, it's Jason. I know you've heard my voice many times in the podcast, and I'm here to tell you about something very interesting coming up. I want to let you know about an incredible opportunity for you to get free tips and strategies to build and monetize your personal brand. My good friend Rory Vaden is a New York Times bestselling author and Hall of Fame speaker, and he and his wife founded a company called Brand Builders Group. And they have put together a huge online summit where they're interviewing some of the most influential personal brands in the world on their never-before-shared secrets of how they became who they are today. So who's speaking at the summit? We've got Lewis Howes, got Michael Hyatt, Dennis Rodman, Kevin Harrington, Jay Baer, Donald Miller, and more. This is a rare opportunity for you to hear the stories about how they became New York Times bestselling authors, how they built high-paid keynote speaking careers, how they have grown massive online followings, and exactly what they have done to create large, multi-seven-figure businesses. If you're someone who is looking to create any type of influence, you have to check this out. It's totally free, and you're going to be learning from the masters who've actually done this. So I want you to encourage to head over to the show notes today, and in the show notes, I'm going to put a link to this summit. Again, completely free. Take a look at it. I feel super confident you will find it valuable. And now, enjoy the episode. (laughs) My guest on the show today is Karen Freeland, who's a recovering corporate workaholic turned author and coach. After years in high-pressure leadership roles at Fortune 500 companies, she's traded in the boardroom for the bedroom. In her brand new book, The Ins and Outs of My Vagina, a penetrating memoir, she recounts the mishaps and misadventures she's had over the last 40 years with a special partner in crime, her vagina named V. She's also a speaker and, like I mentioned, a coach. Focusing on helping women transform their lives and achieve their dreams. Hi, Karen, and welcome.
1: Hi, thank you so much for having me.
0: Yes, I am delighted to have you on the show today. Karen and I were catching up before we press the record button. So Karen and I do not know each other at all. As I've said (laughs) on the show many times, some of my guests I know very well. I will be interviewing my wife. I know her quite well. Some of my guests I've met a few times and some of we show up on a Zoom and go, hey, let's do a podcast episode. So this is one of those. So Karen, I'm super excited to talk to you about your book. and just generally get to know you. So I'm super excited to have you on today.
1: Thank you. It's so fun to be here. I'm excited to meet your audience.
0: Yes. All right. Here we go. Are you ready?
1: Yeah. Oh, I think so.
0: Yeah. And if you're not, we'll do it anyway.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Always a good way to approach life.
0: Exactly. So Karen, first question for you. What's something that you nerd out about?
1: Yeah. So I, I know a lot of people have these like fandoms, right? Like they really geek out over like Game of Thrones or like comics and stuff. So when I first was looking, thinking about this question, I'm like, I don't, I don't think I geek out over anything. But then it kind of dawned on me. and I don't know if this is something that people normally geek out about or I don't know, but I love like working out and eating healthy. Like I'm kind of obsessed with eating organic and making sure that I work out three to four times a week. I can't really function when I'm not living in that like healthy zone. So I guess that would be like the only thing I can think of that I really geek out over.
0: Yeah. I'm not going to challenge sexy. (laughs) I'm not going to, I'm not going to challenge you. I guarantee we could come up with something, but I am going to ask you a couple questions. So, um, as we get to know you, you have a family. Yes. Is this the same case with the whole crew in your family?
1: No, not really. So I'm, I'm a little bit out on my own. Now my husband is really Um, particular about like eating organic. And Mm -hmm. sometimes I will like cheap out at the grocery store and I'll buy like something that's not organic. And Uh he will be like, what, what, what are you doing? He's like, you saved 50 cents. He's like, is it worth our health? And I'm like, oh my God. Okay. So, I mean, I have a little bit of a love hate relationship with all the organic stuff just because it seems so expensive.
0: Yeah, it is expensive.
1: But no, my one son could sit around and just like chill all day and never lift the weight. And then my other one, he he likes to do some stuff now. He's trying to like buff up for the girls at 11 years old, apparently.
0: <laughs> hey, you know, I, I, I think that's a good move. I wish I would have buffed up for the girls at 11. My, maybe my junior high years would have been a little bit better. I don't know.
1: Oh my gosh. Weren't those the worst? Those were like the most the awkward Ugh. times. Yeah. yeah I, I write about that a lot. In the book. I'm, I, oh, I'm sure
0: you do. I, I'm, and maybe we'll, we, maybe we can like dig in a little bit on this. I'm, yeah. I'm curious whether it's worse for boys or girls and it might be equally as bad for both. Um, yeah, those years are just, I think there's a reason I don't remember much of it. Cause I'm like, Oh God, it was very, very strange times. Um, in terms of working out, what, uh, what's your, what's your go-to like, are you like a Peloton rider? Do you like the job? No. Like what's your, what's your thing?
1: So I don't like to do the same thing all the time. Like, you know how some people just like they do, they have a Peloton bike or something. I like to keep it interesting because I don't like my muscles to get muscle memory. And then it becomes really easy to work out. I like to feel the burn. So this is what I mean. Like, this is kind of like the weirdest thing to geek out about, but I'm very intentional about my workouts. So I used to do a lot of like DVDs. So like Denise Austin DVDs, Mm -hmm. and we had a max trainer and I just kind of alternated through those. But when COVID hit, I started taking a lot of online classes. So I was doing like hip hop yoga and I was taking like online dance classes to like rekindle some of my passions and things from my past that I loved doing. And I just started having so much fun with that that I just kind of like alternate a different workout every time. And that's I fun. very, well, it is, but then you're kind of like always perpetually sore. <laughs> so
0: Well, that's like a good I, sore, good sore. It
1: is. It is a good sore, yeah. And I kind of crave that, but I did like the Billy blanks like Tybo thing this week and now you did Billy
0: gosh. blanks. That is so yes. like late nineties. That's amazing.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm just like retro like that, you know,
0: Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Karen. I, um, we're learning a lot about your personality in the first five minutes, just <laughs> purely based on this answer.
1: Well, that's the point, right? I guess <laughs> you're like, you're like, can
0: we move on? This question's boring me. I'm ready for the next very next thing. That's awesome. Oh
1: no, no, it's
0: all good. It's funny. It's funny. Cause I asked you what you nerd out about and you said, I don't know everything. And then you just specifically mentioned things that you used to love doing that you're trying to get back into. I would, I yeah. would assert that perhaps those are things you nerd out about.
1: Yeah. I mean, I definitely grew up dancing competitively. So for me, um, you know, that was one of the things and we probably will talk about this later. But um, when I went through a bit of a midlife crisis, uh, that was one of the things that I really tried to rekindle, even though I know I wasn't going to be as good as I used to be but just kind of like forgiving myself and giving up on any expectations and just allowing myself to feel joy again from doing something that I've always loved yeah. um was so freeing and so much fun yep so like learned how to pop and lock and <laughs> and that was like probably cringeworthy, but i had so much fun i couldn't stop smiling
0: what do your sons think about it do they watch you dance like are they like mom you're so dorky like the do, do the what do the kids think of it
1: yeah. So definitely some of that stuff, like when I'm doing my dance routines, like, oh, here she goes again. Yeah, are you done? Like get off the TV. Um, but actually my oldest one, like I said, he's kind of getting to that age now where he is conscious of his body or whatever. Mm-hmm. So he'll be like, we should go for a run today. Let's go for a run. And That's like, awesome. I love it. Yeah. That's like awesome. we get to do that together and spend time and talk about things while we're running and just you know, have a little quality time.
0: Yeah. I was, um, I was, I'm thinking to myself, if I, I like to give, um, I have two younger kids than yours. They're five in almost a year. So they're not Mm -hmm. quite same place, but I was laughing. I think if I was yours, I would say something like, how do you think I met your dad and why you're here? It's like, these are the moves that, that like made it that this is why we're all here. So you might, (laughs) you might want to take a look.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He definitely saw me dancing on the beer tub at, in college. And... <laughs> exactly.
0: Absolutely. This is this is how we all this is how we became a family. It's awesome. Totally. All right, Karen. Um, so we're going to talk about comfort zone. I know like you do a lot of coaching. You know what that means? Like comfort zone for the for all of us is that it's the thing that like not only it's comfortable, but it's the easy thing. It's kind of in your I'll go do that thing. It doesn't bother me. I don't get stressed about it. What's something that's inside of your comfort zone? That might be outside of somebody else's. And it's a little bit of a trick question for somebody like you, because I'm taking two things off the table, speaking and writing a book. Mm. Okay. Because supposed to be like, oh, public speaking. And I'm like, yeah, but you're a speaker. So that would, well, and it might still be at your comb, but what's something different that comes to mind?
1: Yeah. So I am hyper organized. Um, I'm a Virgo. Mm -hmm. So I really lean in hard to that. And I am like very particular about my workspace, you know, my physical environment and making Mm -hmm. sure that that is well organized and also just like my calendar and projects that I manage. I mean, I spent 15 years in corporate, so, you know, I had to be organized there as well. I mean. I guess you don't have to be, there are plenty of people who weren't, but yeah. that was definitely one of my strengths. And one of the things that I think I was able to help other people around me with.
0: Mm. Are you organized in terms of like, if we were to take a tour of your house, is it very, everything's in its specific place? Like you have a very specific way that things are going to go? Well,
1: my stuff is where it belongs. <laughs> well, you do have two kids. So let's be clear.
0: You're like, I do. You know, yeah. Yeah. Whatever and my room, husband,
1: He has a little bit of a laundry issue. Like he doesn't, he does his own laundry, but then it just sits in baskets for days and days and days. And he doesn't put it away.
0: I I, I can really, um, I'll just leave it at this. I really identify with what you just said and I'll leave it at that.
1: (laughs) Fair enough. But, um, yeah, I think that I'm like really in my zone when things are organized, when Mm -hmm. there is chaos and disorder, it stresses me out. It overwhelms me. And I can't really focus because all my attention is on that thing that's not in the place it needs to be.
0: Mm, Interesting. Okay, so let's flip flip that question. What's something that's uncomfortable for you that's likely gonna be comfortable or in somebody else's comfort zone?
1: Yeah, and I think that this might surprise you given that I wrote a book called The Ins and Outs of My Vagina. But being really authentic, and open and honest, actually doesn't come very easily for me. Mm. So I, I, it is very easy for me to be open and honest about things like parenthood, or work life balance, or like, there's certain topics where I don't have a problem being an open book. Mm -hmm. But I have never been very open or forthcoming with things that surround my sex life or women's health issues, like UTIs, um, periods, like, you know, things that are happening to women that, you know, my book is like all about but we don't talk about them. And I've never really done that before. So that was really scary for me. And there were a couple of times, I'm not going to lie, where I really thought about not publishing the book. Really? Yeah, mm. yeah, I got really freaked out. And I was like, I can't believe I'm telling people this. Like, people are going to read about my most intimate moments with my husband or with random guys in high school and college. And like, I don't know if I want them to know this about me. Mm. And then, so I had to overcome that. I had to, get,
0: yeah, I'm sure,
1: feel you know, comfortable with being uncomfortable in order to actually get this book to market.
0: Um, I was going to ask you this a little bit later in the episode, but I'm going to just ask you this now. Yeah. What did you, what, what did you, what is the driving factor behind this book for you? Like what why the book?
1: Yeah. So there's like a lot to unpack there, but I think like the, the, the two sentences or whatever, like the cliff note version would just be, I never really wanted another woman to feel alone
2: and to mm. feel
1: some of the ways that I've felt over the course of my life. Um, because I didn't have someone to talk to, because I didn't think what was happening to my body was normal. And so if I can just debunk those myths um, in a really comedic and fun way that is relatable, then I think women will be more comfortable talking about these topics, whether it's to a friend, a parent, a sibling, a coworker, even um, a doctor, right? Whoever is in their life that could be that trusted source for them. I want to make that okay. And give them that permission to talk about topics that people think are taboo.
0: Yeah. That's a cool lesson for all of us is when you're in the discomfort, what's the impact you want to make? That's going to have what's, and you know, this in in coaching, it's like, what's the thing that you can anchor to that's going to pull you through when you run up against the resistance. And it sounds for you, it's literally making an impact on, um, serving the people that you once were. That's what it comes down to. And you want to learn from me. I've been there. I've done it. I haven't done it. I have done it, et cetera, et cetera. Hey, here's some things that hopefully will have you avoid these things. Or, or what I'm also hearing is like not feeling alone that like you're normal. Like these things are normal as a female.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the reasons that this has been so uncomfortable for me and outside of my comfort zone is I've operated so much of my life, especially when I was in corporate, but even growing up where I thought doing things or saying things that I thought people thought I should do or that I knew they wanted to hear. Mm. Like I am the queen of interviewing. I am the queen of talking to people um, and answering questions because I know exactly what you want me to say and what you want me to (laughs) what you want to hear from me, and I will give it to you, whether it's the truth or not. Yeah. But that's actually been was so toxic for me, and kind of part of the reason that I ended up in a midlife crisis. Yeah. Because I wasn't being authentic even with myself.
0: Yeah. I told myself
1: lies that I just all of a sudden became my truth, even though it really wasn't.
0: Yeah, Sound like you just like. You got out of a, out of whack with who you wanted to be in the world with who you thought you had to be in the world, which I think is, um, I think it's normal for all of us. I think for working mothers, especially that is a very common thing. Yeah. Very common thing like where you, you play two roles, um, and, uh, I will read the book and my wife is going to read the book. I told her I'm going to have you on. And she said, oh, I can't wait to read the book. So, um, I can't wait to hear more about your journey. Cause I think there's, there's likely there's lessons for dudes too here. Right. Like we may not have the same oh, yeah. body parts, but there's definitely like men struggle with these things too. We just are even less comfortable talking about it than you are We're like, nope, nope, right. nope. Nothing to see here. We're good
1: yeah, I've got a couple of five star reviews actually on Amazon from guys. So I, the book is definitely resonating with other people too. That's awesome not just Karen. women. that's yeah.
0: awesome. So I think this this is a good segue into the next question around um speaking. and mm-hmm. let's say that I gave you let's say this podcast is gonna be listened to by everybody in the entire world. and let's pretend that it gets translated. It doesn't. Not everybody's gonna to listen to it. <laughs> We're not gonna have 350 million people listening to this in the United States. Sorry, not gonna be quite that reach. But um, if you knew you were gonna impact like a global audience, what would you what would you speak to us on? And what would be your call to action to us?
2: Yeah.
1: So one of my favorite things as a coach, and when I have done some speaking engagements, is really to talk about the power of yet. The word mm. yet. I love this word and I wish I had really known it and adopted this concept so much earlier in my life because I think it would have just taken a lot of pressure off, right? And so I, I talk a lot about, I've recently opened up quite a bit about my midlife crisis and this feeling of like, I'm wasting my life, but I don't actually know what I want to do mm-hmm. yet. Right. And so there's this there's this very pivotal moment where I am crying in a bathroom because I had given a presentation at work about um, an event that was coming up. And like I talked to country music star into coming and speaking. I built this booth that resembled Main Street USA. Like nothing about this event was ordinary. It was the most amazing thing you've ever seen. We spent like $400,000 to put wow. together this show. I mean, it was a huge investment. And my team and I and marketing had been working on it for like three months, almost nonstop. But, you know, really, it takes like a year to prep Oh, yeah, for, yes, these for sure. And I was new in my role. It was a new team. So I was like really excited about how we were all gelling together. And I got done with the presentation and the president looked at me and he goes, well, I'm bored. And I was <clears> like, you're bored. Did I hear you right? But of course the first thing that comes into my mind is like tears. Right. And I'm just like, Oh my God, he doesn't like what we did. Or I did a really bad job of presenting this or whatever, totally internalize it. And I'm like sitting there in this meeting and with my glasses on, but I'm just thinking, don't, Blink, because if you blink, that tear is going to eke out onto this conference table. So just stare bug-eyed at everyone and don't say a word. And so at the same time, I had this thought in my mind. I was like, I want to get up on this table in my skirt, my skirt suit from Express, and I want to kick off every mother effing laptop. And I don't know if we're allowed to swear on this podcast. Yes, oh, please do.
0: Bring your truth. Oh, my
1: gosh. I wanted to kick every single executive's laptop and oh, I had so cell phone off the table. But obviously I didn't. Right. But I just went. And then as soon as the meeting was over, I went and cried in the women's room for like 20 minutes. And I just kept thinking, like, what else could I be doing? This isn't it. This isn't for me. I'm not happy here, but I don't know what else to do. And I think, you know, this idea of yet, I didn't know it yet right even when i started writing this book i didn't know that i was going to become a motivational speaker i didn't know that i was going to become a life coach but once i started making one little change once i started writing i got excited again i started seeing the world from a different view um there i was hopeful again there were possibilities it just took off and it was like a life of its own right yeah and even when i said hey i want to go get certified you know okay i want to become a life coach I'm not one yet, but I'm yeah, going to yeah. be one, right? right? You take Vision. your first client and it's like, oh my God, I hope I'm good at this. I hope <laughs> I ask the right questions. I hope they actually experience a transformation. You don't know.
0: You're like, fingers you crossed. Oh my God. Right? Yeah. Oh my
1: gosh, I hope they really pay me. <laughs> and they don't feel like I, they didn't get their money's worth.
0: Yeah. And then
1: you get to the end and they tell you how much of an impact you had in their life and they want to sign up with you again and this, at the other. And you're just like, oh my gosh, I am it now. Okay. Now, it. now wow. I want to take it to the next level. I'm not there yet, but I will be. So I just love the whole concept of, um, the power of yet. And I think, you know, my call to action is just make that first st- that first change, right? Take that first step in the direction of where you think you want to go and see how it feels. Try it on for size, yeah, you know, because awesome. when you make that one change, they all get easier.
0: Yeah. I'm, Man, as I was listening to your story, maybe you can help me out. Maybe you'll be able to help me out. Maybe you won't. Was it the show Allie McBeal where she would play in her mind what she wanted to happen, and then but like I don't, I didn't watch it, but I'm I thinking of either. a, I'm thinking of a show, and it was a little before my time. I think we're about the same age. Um, there's there was a show where it would be like the thing that they wanted to happen in their mind, and they would play it as it actually happened, and then it would oh, like cut he- to. The, so so I'm just I'm just picturing like in your television show, it's like. Watching you like, you motherfuckers, (laughs) you're fucking bored, and you like get up, like slam the laptops, and like all these. And I don't know if it was probably like mixed sex in the room, but like these, these. I'm just picturing like these white mostly men, right? Mostly white guys, probably because like statistically, probably. And you're like sitting in the back there, like, oh my god. And I'm like picturing you like doing this amazing scene. You're like, I'm gonna be an author and a speaker and a coach, and then it like cuts to you like actually like blinking into the camera, like. Right. not going to cry. Not going to cry.
1: <laughs> oh, I love that. That's yes. so good. And we've actually written um, an outline for the first 10 episodes of a TV show. Of course, for the yeah. ins and outs. So I'm really hoping that we can get this picked up. Because I think I you, like, I
0: mean, oh, I, I think the, the branding of it is perfect for a television show. Can't wait. Can't wait to have you back on once you get that deal signed. We'll talk yes. about TV. All right, Karen, we're going to take a really brief commercial break and we'll be right
2: back after this. The Talking to Cool People podcast is brought to you by Jason Frizzell Coaching. Jason works with amazing people who are looking to find and develop their passion and purpose and create their journey to wherever it is they want to go. Check us out at jasonfrizzell.com, Facebook, or on Instagram. Jason loves hearing from anyone who thinks it would be cool to connect, to be coached, or to be a guest on our show email him at podcast at jasonfrizzell.com or DM him on Facebook and Instagram. And now back to some more amazing conversation on talking to cool people. Karen. Yes.
0: You ready to keep going? Or are you ready? Are you calling it? You Are you going to slam the computer and walk away or are we, we going to keep going today? <laughs>
1: No way. This is fun. I could do this all day.
0: All right. Well, just for the audience, for everybody listening, Karen's not wearing her glasses. So if I do make you cry at some point, I'll probably see that tiny little tear. You will. Well, we'll see. Well, are you a crier?
2: Um,
1: you know what? I cry when I'm pissed. Like mm. I, I am so I get so freaking angry that mm-hmm. my emotions just bubble over that it ends in tears. Yeah. And it's almost never. I'm almost never crying about the actual thing that's yeah. happening. Yeah. It's but it's like a culmination. It's like the camel, the straw that broke the camel's back.
0: Yeah. I think um doing doing some research on you, you've done some acting, haven't you? Yeah. So and I think this may, this may be a good time to maybe if you want to speak a little bit about this. I do um I do a lot of improv comedy. And one of the things that I learned is um, the emotion of sadness and the emotion of anger physiologically is very similar. And one of my improv teachers said something that really stuck with me. Thanks, Chris. His name is Chris Griggs. Um, he said that most actors have a hard time playing one of the two of them. Like one of the two of them is really accessible to you. And one right. is really hard. I'm almost never true. So I'll just speak for myself and I want to hear how this goes. And I think it's, I think you and I are similar. I get angry, angry, frustrated, annoyed really easily. So for me, that's very accessible. I don't get yes. sad that often. And I, I'm not a, I'm just not a crier. It's not because I'm a dude. I just it's just not where I do it. But like for me, like it's very like I have a lot of access to like anger, and it's usually not very strong anger. I don't have a lot of access to sadness. Is that it sounds like maybe that's similar to you? It shows yeah. up as more of like an anger or frustration.
1: 100%. That totally yeah. resonates with me. You know, I can play, and actually, I used to do some improv as well through nice. UCB when I was living in New
0: York. Nice.
1: Oh, I loved it. It was so mm-hmm. much fun. But, you know, there's always this temptation, too, in improv to go the angry route, but like nobody oh, yeah. likes the jerk act. No,
0: that's nobody the first thing they person. teach you is don't right. fight with your scene partner because there's enough fighting in the world. Like build us a scene. Karen and I are going to build a scene that's going to have you be like, Oh, these people like each other and they have shared goals and they want to create something. Not like, you know, like, uh, right. man, we could geek out on improv. I, I remember we had a, I just have to share this now because this is improv and this is the way my mind works. I had yeah. somebody in my level two class. We did this whole scene and we were doing like a Herald, right? So we we're doing like a whole three set yes. series thing and all these. And my teacher called him the scene killer because you would literally like set up the scene and you'd have like, you could have this whole thing going on and then he would drop something in that would be argumentative and like just completely out of left field that would just kill the whole thing.
1: Yeah. It's so hard. I mean, you need a group that can really gel Yeah. otherwise it, yeah, it just doesn't. And it just doesn't feel authentic.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, so, you know, the question I have for you in this section is very open-ended for a reason. So like, what do you want us to know about you?
1: Hmm, that's interesting because there's there's all kinds of interesting stuff that we could talk about. But I feel like you're gonna, you're gonna get a lot of really interesting stuff from the book. Um, but I think, you know, I would share that I'm happily married because I think there is something in our culture today where women are on this like terror about like not being with a man or not needing a man. And mm-hmm. I absolutely think that's fine. I don't need yeah. my husband per se, right? Like I can get along without him. Um, but life is better with him. Yeah, And I actually really love being married. So I find it interesting that, you know, there's a lot of people out there today that just kind of want to like have this whole cry for like being single. And yet a lot of Clients that I have that are older who are single are coming to me because they want help in the relationship area because right. they feel like something is missing, yeah. and they don't have that deep deep connection. Yeah. Um. So I think that's one of the things that I want to share because there's also a lot of assumptions that are made when you write a book about your vagina. Um, like what I re- Yeah. I've never, like I've never
0: written a book about about this topic. So no.
1: Oh, okay. you'll have to educate
0: me. Yes.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think there's an assumption. Well, I know there's an assumption because some people actually who I went to high school with were sort of texting around asking, like, does Karen have an open marriage? Uh, because well, what does could that she have to possibly, do with
0: writing a book?
1: Well, because what could I possibly have to say about my vagina when I've been with someone for, you know, 19, 20 years? Because we met in college. So they sort of automatically assumed, well, this book must be all sex. And maybe they have like an open marriage. We don't. I'm a very jealous person, I don't share very well. Um, (laughs) Ask anybody who went on spring break with me in 1998. I like hoarded my own Dr. Pepper and Pepperidge Farm Milano cookies for the trip. And I like shared (laughs) with no one. Yeah, they don't let me live that one down. That's funny. Um, Yeah. So I just kind of like to like put that out there. The other thing that you might find really interesting, or at least comedic, because I'm always only two steps away from humor, but yes, I've never been sent a dick pic.
0: You've never been sent a dick pic.
1: Never been sent a dick pic. And so this is a little bit of a debate with some of my friends because they're like, you should consider yourself lucky because they're really offensive. And I'm sure that Yeah, I don't know any
0: woman that likes them.
1: No, I don't actually want one, but I'm sort of offended that no one's ever wanted to send me one. Like, am I not good enough for a dick pic? I'm confused. It makes me feel sort of like bad about myself.
0: Can you, remind, you, appreciate that? you remind me so much of uh, a friend and a fellow uh, podcast guest. Her name is Jenna Kingsley. I'm actually going to connect the two of you. Oh, she has a podcast. Do. She has a podcast called social studies and it's like, uh, recommend it again, recommend it to everybody. Everybody listening. Her style is she's like, she's like a Jerry Seinfeld, but female,
1: <laughs> Right.
0: It's hilarious. So like this topic is the oh. per, she would, she would say that she'd be like, I don't really Want one, but I kind of look. Why do I not have one? Why is exactly. nobody sending me one? But what, but so I Karen, want to be you,
1: invited to the party and then say no, thank you. I right. can't make it, but so, like at least invite me.
0: Do you want one from your husband or would this be an external, like somebody from the outside? If you had to choose, you'd yeah, want...
1: somebody, I mean, my husband, I guess, could send me one, but he's not really into sending pictures. So, well, you know, it's also be, you've seen that yeah. for
0: 20 years. You're like, yeah, right. then, yeah, whatever. Like,
1: right. And that's the thing. Like, I don't actually want to see it. Cause that's the thing. I have my own veiny pickle at home. Like we're good, but I'm just kind of annoyed that I'm not like, am I not hot enough? Like what is the deal? Why can't I get someone to send me something? I,
0: I feel like I really want to like have a, like a micro laser coaching session on your context on not getting a dick pic. We're going <laughs> to, now we're, now we're going to get into the juicy part of this episode. We're going to talk about your book, but we're also going to talk about yeah. what's missing in your life, Karen, that has like, what is, what is it that you need here? I don't know. This feels like it, you, you need to do some deep work around this.
1: I guess so. Maybe I do.
0: <laughs> that is that is hilarious. You're like, step one, I want people to know that I'm happily married. Step two, I've never received a dick pic and I'm pretty unhappy about it. That's amazing. Very. Yeah, funny. Now that
1: you're regurgitating this to me, it does seem sort of ironic, but it's, um, it's, that's how that's my great. mind works.
0: That's <laughs> great. I love it. Yeah. You and Jen are going to get along tremendously well. Um, uh, I want to ask you, so well, what's the secret? What's the c- secret to your, to your happy marriage? Cause I don't think there's one, yeah. you know, there's not one thing. What's the secret for you and your husband's marriage in your um, opinion?
1: Yeah. I think a lot of communication like I, we have notoriously in the past, like really done like the cold shoulder thing. Um, and that yes. is not helpful or, it isn't. you know, no, it turns out <laughs> it's not, I mean, I tried it for a solid first 10 years of our marriage. Is this um, like a,
0: I don't need anything from you type of cold shoulder thing.
1: It's kind of like a, you were a dick to the kids. I'm not going to talk to you for a couple of days. I want you to know, I'm really unhappy with how you handled oh, that situation God. or like, you know, whatever. Um, so we, now we really try to talk things out and we'll kind of call each other out. Like, Hey, you're being really angry about the dishes. This is really about the dishes or is something else going on. And then it's like, ah, you know, the other day when we were in the store and you said, you didn't like how that thing looked on me. It's really bothering me. Like whatever, you know, and then we really are able to talk it out. Um, and I think the other thing too, is creating intimacy outside of just, uh, sex, you know, and like, yeah. And, one of the things that we did is we cut the cable. So we don't have TV. We haven't had TV since October of 2019.
0: And That's we good did timing. not
1: replace it. Right? <laughs> so you're like we don't need this. Timing.
0: You're like you're like we're going to travel all the time. We're going to we're going to see our friends. We're going to spend way more time with people. And then like March of 2020 you're like oh shit.
1: <laughs> yeah. But actually it's been great not having the news because I can kind of live in my own little ignorant bubble yeah. which is also mentally really great. um. Yeah. So my mom has to call me when there's like hurricanes and things coming. She's like, do you know? And I'm like, I didn't. Thanks for letting me know. It's excellent information. But um, yeah. So I think once we didn't have TV, because that was our nightly routine, right? Yeah. Like sit down in front of the TV, scream at the news station from eight till 1030 about what's everything that's wrong with this world.
0: Oh my God. And then
1: We'd be like in a tizzy, right? Yeah, and I'm like, yeah. this is toxic. We have to just get rid of this and not have this in our lives. So, but then all of a sudden you're like, well, shit, what do I do for two and a half hours? Uh, I guess we're gonna talk. And so we found ourselves in like these deep philosophical conversations. And it was like getting to know him all over again. So it was kind of fun and interesting.
0: I'm gonna stereotype right now all the guys listening are like,
1: oh my god, no. I know. Gotta talk
0: to my wife every night. That sounds horrible. I got to talk to the kids. No, is your, is <laughs> no, your, we just um, put them to bed. No. Yeah. Are you, um, are you two sports fans at all?
1: No. So he's not, I like sports more than he does. Okay. So I had a hard time not being able to watch the New Jersey devils. So mm-hmm. we would like go out sometimes to like a bar or like a pub or somewhere and like yeah. have dinner at one of the tables so we could watch the games. Yeah, And he's like, this is kind of more expensive than cable. I'm like, it's You're fine. Yeah. Like... <laughs>
0: you're like yeah you're like but honey you know i'm getting a little liquored up and uh <laughs> there no, you go that is so interesting i'm just thinking about uh right now with a i don't you know i don't know exactly how old your kids are we haven't talked about it, we have a 5 year old and if we took her tablet away the world would literally end yeah for her and for us that it like as much as i hate to say it uh because of covid like that's the thing like it I don't think we could survive. It's the best babysitter ever.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. So maybe you can give me some pro tips offline on how we pry that thing. I mean, like pry that thing out of her strong little five-year-old hands and come up with some other things, but yeah, I'm impressed. I don't think we could, I don't think we'd be able to give up TV. My wife likes to watch, she doesn't watch much TV, but she's, she's a trash TV or when she gets into it. So she'll watch mm-hmm. Bravo and I'm more like a prestige. I'm more of a snob. So I'll like, I'm going to watch Breaking Bad or The Sopranos or or Mad Men. Like, that's more my thing. Um,
1: You'd be surprised, though. You think it's going to be really hard. And I thought it was going to be really hard. I mean, I kind of thought he was crazy. I was like, I'm not sure about this. I mean, I was a little hesitant. And honestly, like maybe the first month was a little iffy. And now it's like, we don't even miss it at all. Like it's not even yeah. a thought. The kids don't miss it. And they still have a DVD player. So they can watch some of the DVDs and stuff that we have. If I really yeah. am like, hey, I'm on a podcast or I have a call. Like I yeah. need you sitting somewhere quiet. Um, But yeah, it's it's really actually very doable.
0: So what happens when, you're, when your television show gets picked up?
1: Then... We're going to go to a bar. No, I don't
0: know. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be like, I'm going to watch the devils and the ins and the outs and the ins and exactly. outs. Exactly. That's awesome. Yes. Karen. That's amazing. Um, I had another, I had a well, so around the news. So it sounds like you also don't, you don't like read the news on the internet. Cause that's how no. I get my news. Like every morning I go to CNN, I just like, Hey, what's in the headlines. I'll scan through. I mostly land on sports that <laughs> tells yeah. you like my, my pensions for most of this stuff, like you're talking about, but Um, So you don't even like look at the news and see. So if I said to you like, hey, do you know that X, Y, and like, so the Afghan, the the thing in Kabul last month with like the, uh, the Afghanistan's leaving and all that. You don't know about that when it's happening. You hear about it from other people.
1: Yes, I hear about it from other people and had some very limited because, you know, when you open your browser on the web, it's like the first thing that pops up. Right. So I see a couple of headlines there. But every time I get tempted and I scroll through, I see something like, you know, 12 year old shot in the face by parent. And I'm like,
0: yeah, what? there's a like, lot of stuff out there. Not good. I stuff. don't
1: it's not good stuff. And yeah. I think I internalize these things sometimes. Like, I'm like, how could this person be a parent? How could they do this? And I get really frustrated. And it's like, Karen, you can't control it. You have yeah. no there's nothing you can do but pray and like to help this kid who's now lost his life. And it makes me just feel sad. So I'm like, you know, if I could just cut that out, I mean, I'm not trying to be totally disconnected from the world, but yeah. like my world, and I know we're going to talk about kind of how I see the world, but it's like, yeah. what do I see out my window? Like that's, yeah. that's what I want to be concerned with and where I can yeah. have the biggest impact.
0: Yeah. And impact with your husband and with your kids. Like yeah, that's exactly. the, that's the place you can make a difference every single day. You're not going to make yeah. a difference in public safety in other in New York city.
1: Right. Exactly. <laughs> no.
0: No. All right, Karen. I want you to ask me a question. So, what do you what what are what would you like to ask me now that we've we've known each other for about forty five minutes? Uh, what would you like to ask me that I can answer for you?
1: Yeah. So I was going to ask you if you're going to read the book, and if I so, why? And it sounds like yeah, you said why, but I'm or you said you would, but I'm interested in. What is it about the book that sort of draws you in or that you yeah. think you're going to read that you're excited about hearing?
0: I like this. Karen's using the podcast as market research. She's like, <laughs> this is a dual purpose question. I think it's interesting. But also you're like, let me get on my notebook so I can tell my publisher that these are what this yes. guy said, a straight man said. Um, first of all, I really like, you've heard, it's a brilliant. it's brilliant branding. It's hilarious. It says a lot about who you are. Um, I'm a big fan of like Jensen Pira, Sincero. Like I like, I like strong female writers because it's, it's a person. I, I, just think that, um, this is just my perspective, just my opinion. I think women comedic writers are much better at being authentic. Mm. Like the men's stories are usually like, how did I overcome? I had some stuff happen to me, but I'm a guy, so it's all going to be good. Women are more like this shit sucks. Like, I don't know if you ever, I don't know if you ever read like how to make money, like a badass. I don't know if you ever no. read that book, but she's like, I was living in a garage and with like SpaghettiOs and it fucking sucked. I listened to it on audio. It was hilarious. She's hilarious. But, um, like Rachel Hollis, like, what's the struggle that got yeah. me to where I am? I think men do that, but they, there's a, I just think the women's perspective is, is a little bit more interesting to me, partly because I'm not a woman straight guy. Yeah. So like, for me, I'm interested in that, um, Selfishly, I have a five year old daughter who will be a woman someday. So I'm super curious as a scared to death of like, oh, wait, at some point she's going to figure out her body a little bit or have questions. So I think there'll be some things as a dad that will help me. And then um, because I met you and I like you and I, I think it'll be entertaining, like based on what I'm hearing from you and like the way the energy you bring and the things we're talking about, I think it's going to be funny. And I like to be entertained.
1: Yeah. Awesome. I love that.
0: Yeah. So I will read it. My wife's going to read it. Um, I'll leave you at least a two-star. I'll leave you a two-star review, maybe a three-star review. It depends. It depends on I don't know. Um,
1: I think you're gonna end up with a five star. I uh, based on you know precedent that's been set.
0: The the two dudes who have done it, and the reason you're on many reviews is that literally just came out, which we're gonna talk about. So it's not yes. like it's not like you're like, I've had this up for five years and I have two guys reading It's like it's literally right. like three days, it's three days in the marketplace. So yeah. um I'd like to offer you the opportunity to ask me another question since I kind of okay. answered it already. Yeah, what do you got for me?
1: What is it that makes you so drawn to sports? Like, what do you love about it so much that you get sucked in?
0: I'm super competitive. And now that I'm in my forties, I don't have a way to compete in most things anymore. So, um, I'm just like, you're a devil's fan. My team is the Minnesota Vikings. I'm from Minnesota originally. Nice. So there's first of all, I, I love football. Like I love the sport of football. I like the science of it. I like the art of it. I like the, I like how it's actually quite complicated. Mm -hmm. Um, I grew up playing hockey, so I'm a big hockey fan too. Hockey is just not that complicated compared to football. Like, I mean, yes, there are, there are plays you run and all those sorts of things, but people can watch a hockey game and kind of be like, I kind of get it. They're trying to go up and down the ice and put this little black puck in the thing, but football, you're like, okay, I understand they're trying to get down there, but then they can maybe kick it. Maybe they're going to run it. Maybe they're going to pass it, but wait, they just threw a yellow flag. What does that thing mean? And why is this guy running across the field and they haven't hiked the ball yet? There's all these things that I happen to understand because I've always been a football fan, right? but overall I grew up, um, like I grew up in the twin cities. I grew up in a suburb of St. Paul and I was just always a big sports fan because I played a lot of sports. I I'm pretty athletic. I'm very competitive. And when you don't get a chance to do that, then it's like my outlet to look at. And it's just entertaining. And the other thing is now I'm a huge fantasy football player. So I got to watch. I got to watch the stuff and make some, you know, like it's 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 light gambling, right? It's like you pay like a little bit of fee at the beginning of the season, but I'm competing. And I just I just like winning. That's what it comes down to. I like winning. And if I and I guess the way I can kind of win is when my team wins, although they lost on Sunday to the Bengals, which was not ideal. They lost in overtime. Um but yeah, that's why I love sports. I, um, I also think the other thing that I love about sports is like performance. Like how do you Mm -hmm. always increase what you're doing? And I'm actually not a huge college sports fan. Like I like college football. I married into, I think I shared this with you. I married into a Buckeye, Ohio state Buckeye family. My wife went to Ohio state. So that's football perennial powerhouse also lost last Saturday.
1: Oh yeah.
0: Um, But, uh, I just, I like the idea of like, how do you maximize your performance? That's the kind of coaching I do. I mostly do coaching for businesses, startups, like what's the edge. Cause like, let's take, let's take football. For example, those dudes are all amazing. They're all some of the best athletes in the world. What's the thing? What's the 1% that that person does differently is some, for some of them, it's their head.
1: Right. Um, For some of them,
0: it's like, let's just take like a Tom Brady. He's like the combination of, he's not the strongest dude. He's not a fast dude but he's tremendously mentally tough. He's incredibly smart and he takes amazing care of his body. So that's how he does it. And then he's just a naturally gifted quarterback, but he wasn't out of college. And then you have other people like um, that come out number one in the draft and they're like crash out in two years. What's the difference? So I'm always interested in that. It's some of it's conditioning, some some of it's mental. And some of it's um, the last thing I'll say about this is like, a lot of it has to do with the people around you. So who's your coach? What's your Mm -hmm. coach doing to bring you up? Is your coach recognizing that, like, hey, this dude's got the best arm in the NFL, but it's not accurate? How do we work on that? Do we work on it? Do we let him go? That sort of thing. So I'm just I'm into all right. that. As you can tell, football is my go-to, but I I, I love like tennis. Like I love um, I played tennis yeah. too. So I want, yeah. So watch the um watch Djokovic not get his golden Grand Slam. I don't know if you know what that means, but nope. he he won three of the four um, major tournaments. Uh, it wouldn't have been a golden glance slam because he didn't win the gold medal at the Olympics, but he had, he won the, he won Wimbledon, the, the French open and Australian open. He did not win the U S open. He'd have been the first person to do that since like the sixties. So, um, wow. yeah. So that's why I like sports.
1: That's awesome. Good I love hockey. I think yeah, it's like is. such a sexy sport too. Like, I don't know. There's something very like primal about watching very men, primal. like, do get out on the ice and like, I'm just like, oh, yeah, I'll keep going. Have you ever fight guys?
0: Yeah. Have you ever been on, have you ever been on a hockey rink right after a game or in a men's hot in a locker room after a game? No, it smells horrible.
1: Oh, my son played hockey, so opening horrible. his oh. bag was like, Ugh. yeah, like, like you it's accidentally it's leave it in the car. Or you don't horrible. unpack oh, no. it the second you get home. Well,
0: you can't, you can't because you're sweating your butt off, and then the sweat freezes on the stuff when you're not using it. It's horrible. It smells right. so bad. Hockey players sweat yeah. their ass off. Yes, because you got a, because you got a lot of stuff on.
1: Yeah, and, and like, you're well, up and you never stop moving. Really, never
0: stop moving. Even when you're on a line change, you're only sitting for like two to three minutes, and then you're back on the ice again. And right. you're, you're busting your ass for a minute to two minutes. So awesome question. Nobody's ever asked me about that. So thank you, Karen. Really? I love it. Nobody's ever asked me why I like sports, but I've never really like, no, I've never said like, oh, I really like sports either. So maybe that's why. Right. Maybe I, I think we're doing some improv. I'm offering you something and you're like, hey, let's take this and run with it. Perfect. Look at I that. Love it. I love it. All right. Um, what are you passionate about?
1: Yeah, right now, I would say having a bigger purpose, something that is bigger than me and being a workaholic there is
0: I thought you were a recovering workaholic.
1: Well, right. So when I was a workaholic. Um but thank you for the clarification because that could have been confusing. So when I was in corporate and I was just working 24/7 and really put stock in nothing else other than my job and who I was in my job there was no time for me to have a bigger purpose. And then when we had these two deaths in my family I suddenly was faced with my own mortality. It was Mm. like, I was staring death in the face, Mm. even though I really wasn't, that was how I felt. Mm -hmm. And so I started realizing like, I don't have hobbies. I don't have anything where I feel like I'm making an impact in someone else's life. So like, what is my purpose here? Why am I here? And so now that I've kind of gone through that whole big, deep valley of midlife crisis and come out, thankfully, on the other end, I'm really intentional about making sure that the things I'm doing have a bigger impact on someone else's life. So I joined when we moved to South Carolina. I didn't really know anyone. And so I joined um, the Greenville Junior League. So that it's a women's service organization. And so we do a lot of volunteering and helping with, you know, economic mobility and um, sex trafficking, like trying to, you know, provide a safe place for people um, who have been victimized by that. And we have like a nearly new shop where we resell like higher end things for people who, you know, don't have the financial ability to go buy them new. And it's really been such a... An ex- I don't know if exciting is the right word, but fulfilling or fulfilling way uh, to give back and to feel like there is something bigger than just me. Um, and also with my book, a portion of the proceeds are going to go to the Alliance for Period Supplies. And so you can check them out, allianceforperiodsupplies.org. Um, but basically what they do is they get, uh, period supplies to women in need, you know, of lower economic status who can't mm-hmm. afford period products. And this is something that like, didn't really dawn on me in my younger years. Like, you yeah. know, I you would get my it. period now. And I just open up the cabinet under the sink and there was tampons and there were right. pads and there was whatever I would need. And it would just sort of appeared every month. And there was a stash for me. So, when I got older, um, I can't remember if it was our church or our town, but somebody was doing a donation drive for period supplies. And I was like, it was just almost confused for a minute. Like, well, why would they need donations of period supplies? So I was like, oh, right. right. Cause they're hella expensive. And some women actually have to decide between feeding their family or buying tampons, And that just really bothered me that women have to stay home from work or from school or college or wherever whatever stage they are in their life, because they don't have what they need to go out and function in society. And so like, how can women Mm -hmm. get ahead if they can't even get to the playing field? You know, to use a sports analogy.
0: There it is. Back to the sports. I love it.
1: Right. So for me, that has just been the thing right now that I'm Really passionate about carving out time every week, yeah. you know, to in some capacity give back in a bigger way.
0: Yeah, Um, something you said. I had something hit me as you were speaking about that. I want to go back to the, um, like the midlife crisis thing. I think John mm. Mayer calls it a quarter life crisis.
1: Yeah, I was saying a third life crisis. I say, yeah, like but a I third life the crisis. Same ring. No,
0: <laughs> no. So I um, just I'm, I'm, midlife. I'm curious uh, how does motherhood relate to all of this? Cause I, to me, that seems like a big, uh, societal, there's a, there's definitely a context in society that like for parents and I'm just, uh, hopefully I don't want stereotype, but I think there is a, a, there is something in society that a woman, when she has children, like that should be the thing that like, Oh my God, I'm a mother now. And yes, I work my job, but that's secondary. And how did that all relate to your experience? Cause I, I would actually question whether that's, I think that, that kind of seems to be the under the purveying theme. It's never talked about. What was your experience with that as a, as a working mother, what yeah. was that like? Where did you, did you think when you had your first child and then your second child, was this the thing that's going to be like, oh, this is the thing that's going to give me what I needed. And it sounds like it didn't, there was still something missing for you.
1: Yeah. So I obviously, I wanted to be a mom very yeah. badly. I really wanted kids. I was so excited But that maternity leave was so hard. And I was like, Mm. I actually called work and was like, I'm ready to come back.
0: I (laughs) don't think a lot of women talk about this. I don't think a lot of women Mm -hmm. talk about this. Yeah, They
1: don't. And they don't. And honestly, about 80% of the clients that I coach are working moms. Like that is kind of my sweet spot. And there's a lot of moms who feel, you know, guilt on both sides. They feel guilty if they're focusing on their work and they feel guilty if they're focusing on their family. And so I do a lot of work to help strip away those guilty feelings, but to put up the appropriate boundaries in both areas of your life so that you can be really efficient and high functioning in both areas. Yeah. It's not easy, but it's possible. And so for me, I always prioritized work. I was the breadwinner, you know, and I, my husband was awesome. Like he would be the one who would, you know, make dinner and have dinner on the table when we got home, you know, he would be the one that would do the dishes so that I could put together that report that was due at eight o'clock in the morning. Um, So we had some he would hate me for saying this, but like role reversal, because he's mm-hmm. like, I, we're not reversing roles. I'm just I'm the dad. It's just this is what I take care of because yeah. what I'm good at. And you're yeah. the mom. But like, don't call me Mr. Mom. I'm Mr. Dad, you know. Yeah. And I yeah. was like, oh, you're right. Like, I shouldn't call you Mr. Mom. You're not a mom. You no. are the dad and you're, you're just
0: dad.
1: pulling your weight because this is what we need you to do right now. Yeah. Um. So I really needed I there's a very vivid moment for me where i had picked up my son from school cuz he had a fever and i brought him home and i just stuck him in bed and i was like i have calls i have some emails i have to get this done i'll take it you your dad actually will take you to the doctor when he gets home so my husband comes home from work cuz he's in construction so he got done at like you know 3:34 o'clock mm-hmm. and he's like where is he i'm like oh he's in his bed i'm like you got to take him to the doctors and he's like okay so he goes in feels that he's burning up takes his temperature and he's like karen he has 103 fever right now. He's like, if you paid half as much attention to us as you did to your work. And I was like, oh,
2: yeah, take
1: the knife out to of the my gut. Heart.
0: Yeah. Right. to the Yes. Heart. Yeah. But
1: I needed to hear that because I still was out under this illusion that work needed me. Right. That I was yeah. so important because I was chasing this like significance or this feeling of importance. Um And I don't know why, but it was just one of those things. I put so much validation, I guess, on this external love um, Mm -hmm. and external praise that I thought I was getting. Uh, But it was really toxic. And so for me, I've actually gone the opposite direction where I'm like, you know what? All these titles and these paychecks, they don't mean anything, at least to me. Like, that is not what makes me tick. I'm not, I wasn't happy I had it all, right? Six figure salary, you know, nice director title, but who cares? Like, it didn't fulfill me. And so now yeah. I'm able to really step in and be the mom that I should have always been.
0: Thanks for, um, thanks for your authenticity and, and sharing that story with us. Sure. I, I, as you were speaking, I'm like, oh man, this feels like a, like, this feels like a clue that I should ask about. This yeah. feels like a thread I should pull on. Sure. Um, so Karen, what's the thing that you're most proud of?
1: Yeah. And you're
0: I you're like, you're, it would be hilarious. You're like, obviously my corporate career is the thing that I'm most proud of. Oh. Obviously. That'd be amazing. You're like, you're like my corporate career. Like, why are you even asking? That would be so funny. Dude, like just deadpan. I
1: mean, I will say being asked to be chief of staff for a large telecommunications company was a definite bright spot oh, yeah. in my career. Um, you know, I was the first female chief of staff in that division. Um, it was, it was really pushed me to my ultimate like test. Like, oh, yeah. could I do this? And there were definitely days I was like, Oh, I'm terrible chief of staff. I should not be here. And there were other days I'm like, I'm crushing it. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, you go through that roller coaster, but the fact that I was able to do it and not quit, cause I definitely had some days where I was like, I think I should just bow out. Um, You know, I am proud of that. But for me now, the thing that I'm most proud of is having the courage to walk away from it all. And to, Follow my dreams, Yeah. because uh, awesome. it's so easy to give all the excuses. Oh, I got the golden handcuffs. I don't want to give up these big bonuses. I don't want to give up this cushy life. And honestly, you don't necessarily have to do no. that, right? You you don't have to give up on that. Um, so I think that that for me has been like the biggest thing that I'm proud of. I was asked actually after I left corporate to come be a CMO for someone's organization. Mm. And I actually turned that down, which I never thought I would be able to do. But fortunately, you know, I was able to really stick to my guns and go, Oof. yeah, don't get sucked back in, right? Yeah. This is everything that you this is everything that you got rid of and that you no longer wanted to do or be. You have to remember that, even though it's like the title that I always wanted, chief marketing officer, like how exciting would that be to tell other people, right? Cause that was the first thought,
0: Oh how yeah. exciting. External External like, validation again.
1: Oh, right. But I really stuck to my guns. And I think it's been so important for my boys to see that, to see me yeah. walk away from something that they knew didn't make me happy, right? Cause they got the yeah. brunt of it plenty of times. And to now see me being so vibrant and excited, like they get excited. Yeah, They'll ask me, mom, how was your podcast? How'd that go? Or, you know, after my event, they're like, how many books did you sell? Like, how did it go? it's It's so cool for them to see that and just give them the courage so that someday they can follow their dreams too. Yeah.
0: It's so interesting that you, as you share that story about the CMO thing, I know so many people. Uh, and myself, and I put myself in the same boat is like high performer and corporate, right? Like high performer, you make good money. You got your thing, but you're not happy. I right. know so many people who decide to go, Hey, I'm going to do my own thing. And within two years, something shows up on their doorstep. That's like, remember the thing you said you didn't want. Yep. Here's it. I almost like, look at it as like a Disney movie. It's like, the, it's like in snow white, like the apple it's like, yes. he, you know, this thing is poison. And this is the thing you wanted. And the the challenge for a lot of people, myself included, because I've had a couple moments like that too. I'm like, ooh. I'm like, is to to stick when what I hear, I think you and I are aligned with this. And I'm sure you coach your clients on this too, is like, what do you actually care about? And what's the, you need, and this goes back to like, yes. the anchor. what's the thing you actually want? Because there's going to be stuff in the way. There's going to be a lot of temptations. You're going to get it. And I also think there's a there's a tremendous amount of like, spiritual energy, whatever that means to you in that when you say you don't want something because it's not aligned with you, the world will be like, yeah, are you sure about that? It's like, uh, right. it's like the snake in the garden of Eden. I'm like, Hey, this it is this, a test. This super, super tasty apple. You, I know you told you don't want it. You might want to go take a bite. It's pretty good. Yeah.
1: Um, And I do think you are sending a signal to the universe, right? You're telling that like, no, I'm actually serious about this. And it makes your commitment to whatever you do want to do so much stronger. Yeah, It's very symbolic. Like it's very symbolic. symbolic.
0: Yeah. it's Very symbolic. Because when you're in your corporate career, the CMO job would have been a yes, right? You would have been like, oh my God, yes. Who cares if my soul gets sucked dry and I'm working 80 hours a week, I need that thing, and then like, but it's it's good that you had it offered when you were ready to not have it because you would yes. probably not be here with me today, and you'd probably be miserable.
1: I would be, I yeah.
0: absolutely. You know, would you be. would be. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, So, Karen, what's something that you're afraid might actually be true about you? Mm. This is my therapy question.
1: <sighs> yeah, and my answer actually was going to be: I really try not to take on what other people think about me because mm-hmm. it doesn't actually matter. Um, so like my kids will fight all the time and, Oh, he called me a butthead. I'm like, well, are you a butthead? No, I'm not a butthead. Okay. Then it doesn't really matter if he said that or not. Right. Yeah. And at the end of the day, like someone else's perception of me is their reality. Right. It And it doesn't actually matter. So I can be like, Oh no, no, I'm not pigheaded or no, no, no. Like I, I don't really have it all together. Whatever that thing is that you think about me. But if that's what they think, then that is their reality of Mm -hmm. me. And so it's really easy, I think, for us to like take on what other people think about us. And it's often negative stuff.
0: Yeah, Um, for sure.
1: So we'll be like, oh, we'll say something like, yeah, oh, I'm such a ditz. I forgot this again or whatever. And then we're basically telling ourselves that we're a ditz and our brain's like, oh, okay. well, if you're a ditz, then I'm going to prove you right. Let's do something ditzy. Of course. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So for me, it's like you know what you can think whatever you want about me, and I'm just gonna try not to take that on. But I do think if you want like a straight answer, because I thought about this later, and it well, you've already answered. Like- you've
0: also you've already answered this question once earlier in the episode. You know that, right? No. You're you're afraid that you might not actually be worthy of a dick pic.
1: Oh right, exactly. That's, that is that's, like That is. biggest. One. That is. <laughs> but my husband will tell me a lot of times when I'm talking to him and I'm getting real passionate. He's like, you're yelling at me. Why are you yelling at me? Mm-hmm. I'm like, babe, I'm not yelling at you. I'm not mad. He's like, do you hear how you sound? I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm like, I'm perfectly fine. I'm just really just talking passionately about this. And he's like, you're yelling at me. And I'm like, okay, so that might be true, but I, I still think mm-hmm. he's misguided, but I, I
0: think, uh, I think your husband <laughs> and I would get along extremely well. We have, we have two things very much in common in our relationships and in our uh, laundry abilities. From what I'm hearing on this episode, two That's things. That I'm, like, I'm like two things that I'm like, yep, this is literally describing my wife and I. will be like, why are you yelling? She's like, no, I'm just excited. I'm like, no, but you're yelling. You blew my eardrum out. I'm not yelling. Yes. No, you're no, you're yelling. Uh, you're yelling. Uh, the dog is over there cowering in the corner, but you're not mad. You're like, no, I'm not mad. I'm like, you're yelling. No, I'm not yelling we need to have your husband on next and we'll just, we'll just like, we'll just uh, riff on, riff on wives. It'd be great. (laughs) All right, Karen, uh, we're going to start to wrap it up. I got a couple more questions. So you'd alluded to this one before. So this one is about how you see the world. So the question is like, how do you see the world? And I have a feeling it's going to be a positive answer. That's my guess. Is there going to be something positive coming out here?
1: Of course, because negative energy just has no place in my life. And I hope in in your listeners' lives, it's just toxic. So I really view the world as to what I see outside the window. And, you know, when we moved from New Jersey to South Carolina, so many people warned us about how nobody down there likes Northerners. You're not going to fit in. They're going to hate you. Be careful. Watch out. And I'm like, what? Like, really? Are are people in the South like they really don't like Northerners? Okay. Move down here. Like day one, our neighbors, two houses over, like bought us a pizza and like brought stuff over because they knew we didn't have all of our appliances and moving stuff yet. Yeah. And everybody's been so welcoming, you know, stopping by, introducing themselves. The kids made friends day one. And I'm like, what? Okay. This isn't the South. Like, that people talk about or the way that they want to give a rap to the South. And I don't know, maybe that's just the Greenville area. And I don't know, but from my perspective, what I see out the world out my window is so much goodness. You know, I see neighbors helping each other, you know, there was a stray dog and I like stopped and I called the owner and I got the dog back to the person. And, you know, like that, those are like real stories that the media and the news, they don't want to talk about. No, it doesn't sell. No, nobody wants, to, nobody
0: wants to hear about like, Oh, we, this, this week in Greenville, we had some new families moving in and the neighbors came by and said, hello, like that's not a st- news story.
1: Right. Exactly. Yeah. So I just really try to believe that most people in the world are good. They're just trying to go make a living, you know, have their little piece of land and have a little fun on the weekends and enjoy life and just go about their business. And I agree. Yeah.
0: Awesome, Karen. All right. um, Let's talk about the book for a minute, since you are a published author, not just an author, but a published author. Um, Give us the, again, the quick synopsis of the book, micro synopsis, where can people pick it up? Uh, What else do you want us to know about the book specifically?
1: Awesome. So the way we kind of describe it is the sexy, the funny, the humiliating, the gross, and a whole lot more. Um, It is really a tale of me and my vagina from day one, kind of like realizing that I even have one all the way through to, you know, 35 years old, finally experiencing that ultimate orgasm. So yeah, you're probably going, holy crap, were you 35? And like, yeah, I was. Because most women, again, won't talk about that, right? They are pretending that they're having these amazing sex lives. Mm-hmm. And in reality, they're not. So there's a lot of really fun moments, you know, getting your first period, mistaking a UTI for a STD, um, and all these <laughs> little, oh my God, ridiculous, right? I was like ready to murder my husband, boyfriend at the time, but
0: I was yeah. like, you don't get me an
1: STD. Um, he did not, thankfully. So it's just, um, a, a real, it's bigger than just my vagina though, because it yeah. really is a journey through womanhood
0: Yeah, and awesome. all
1: the experiences and the ups and downs that we have in a very authentic, raw and honest way.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm, I was over here smiling because I just had a thought or you're like, I'm sharing literally my lady parts to the world and nobody's sending me a dick pic. Like, it's like, right. you've got it all. You're like, listen, y'all, like you can buy this for like. Eleven ninety nine or twenty four ninety nine or whatever it is. And like, I'm just requesting that, like, can you just validate me with, 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 <laughs> with a, <laughs>
1: like, I might get a slew of dick pics. Now my husband's gonna no, no. like, what is wrong with you? It's
0: like, it's like, uh, Karen, you're literally showing us ours. Like literally like, you know, like the like elementary, like show me yours. I'll show you ours. Like the elementary school thing. You're like, right. here you go. Here we go. Yeah. That's awesome. So, uh, where, where can people pick it up?
1: Absolutely. So it's available online where books are sold. So Amazon or Barnesandnoble.com. Um select stores in South Carolina are carrying it. So nice. fiction addiction has got a few copies and a couple of the Barnes and Nobles here in the Greenville area, um, as well as Charleston actually and Hilton Head. So cool. So so thankful for their support.
0: Yeah. I like to um always ask authors on as well would will you sign books if you like to oh, go to absolutely. the store if people if you've got any you'll sign books, people want to get an autograph copy. Cool. Absolutely. Awesome. Uh, let's talk about the second thing now, besides being author, you're a speaker and you do coaching. You've kind of mentioned you're like, like talk for a minute about who's your ideal client and like, what, what does that look like? What do we want to know about there?
1: Yeah. So I really say like successful working women who want to rock their reinvention is my sweet spot. Um, so whether it's leaving corporate or it's actually just staying in corporate, but setting up those boundaries so that you can really have a better, more quality life mm-hmm. um, that, you know, working with women is is pretty much the extent of who I work with. I've had a couple of guys that I've coached, but um, you know, I think just the working mom thing, it's like been there, yeah. done that. And it's so easy to relate. And I know, yeah. A lot of the tips and tricks that you can employ to really get to where you want to go.
0: Yeah. I do um I do personal brand strategy work through an awesome company called Brand Builders Group. And the very thing, first thing we say is when you start out, you are most powerfully ready to serve the person you once were. You once yes. were. no matter what you Absolutely. do. Consulting, coaching, you know, um, if you're like a if you're like a financial advisor who used to not have any money, like that's the person you most of us are best at serving the people we once were because yeah. it's very identifiable. That's awesome. So uh, Karen, you got a website. We'll put your website notes in the link. The link to the book is there. The um, um, is there anything else, any other places that we can find you or any or else connect to you? Obviously probably on Instagram, social, LinkedIn, anything else?
1: Yep. Instagram, Twitter. Those are the best places to find me. Um, Facebook, Karen Freeland Life Coaching. So yeah. And if anyone's doing events, so you, know, you want someone to come out and speak or you know, even book clubs, um, doing some of those with awesome. around the book. So yeah, let me you know. do.
0: Um, you'll do uh, virtual in per- If it's local, yeah. you'll do in person. If it's virtual, you hop on. Cool. Awesome, Karen. Well, thank you so much for being on. It was it was really fun getting to know you over the last hour or so. I have a tradition yeah. on the show, and I love when my guests leave us with some words of wisdom, and they got to be short and sweet. And I'm just going to say this again because I've had a few guests are like, "Oh, short and sweet," and then they give me a paragraph. I'm like. It's not short and sweet. So what do you got for us? And right. You're a writer, so you probably get this. What's uh, What do you got for us?
1: I would say trust your intuition. You mm-hmm. have all the answers that you need inside you. Trust them.
0: Beautiful. Thank you so much, Karen. Best of luck as the book. Be looking for my two to three star review. I guess I can't do a two or three star. I'll do three star. I can't a wait to read it. I'm <laughs> going to pick up a copy today for my wife and I. We will probably, no offense, we'll probably share a copy because we both have a Kindle account. Sorry, you're not going to get the royalty. That's Okay. I'm, I'm so sorry. Maybe I should just, I feel like I should probably just buy two. I have a little bit of shame over here now. Maybe I should just buy two. And, uh, what I say to everybody, um, this, I was thinking about your book. This makes a great gift for the holidays too, for any woman in your life, look, who is a reader entertaining. Like it's got, it's, it sounds like it's got so many valuable things in terms of it's funny. So it's entertaining, but it's also like educational, Yes. And, and I would um, say
1: baby showers, bridal showers, yeah. like such a perfect time Beautiful. in a woman's life to give them this book.
0: Perfect. Perfect. Thank you so much, Karen. Best of luck.
2: Thank you. I appreciate Thank it. You. Bye. Thanks for listening to another episode of Talking to Cool People with Jason Frizzell. If you enjoyed today's episode, please tell your friends. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook and give us a shout out or take a moment to leave a review on iTunes. If something from today's episode piqued your interest and you'd like to connect, email us at podcast at jasonfrizzell.com. We love hearing from our listeners because you're cool people, too.